selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to not just another episode of Lords of Limited. We've got the Dominaria United Crash Course here for you. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I'm fresh off of a football game on Friday night. You'll be thrilled to know that the Wildcats, that's my home crowd, home team, won a riveting 8-7 to football game, and I am a sweaty mess from loading the band trailer afterwards. But we are here for some Dominaria United content, which I am pumped about. Well, you'll be happy to know that I have spent all day knee deep in Scryfall <laughs> looking at every card from Dominaria United over and over and over again to get us ready for today's episode. Heck yeah, me as well. I did a few hours after school of prep and I feel locked and loaded to talk about Dominaria United. It looks so sweet. I don't want to like spoil it too much because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of wheeling and dealing to do throughout the episode today. But uh, I think one thing that we're going to agree on is... This set looks really promising. I have not been this excited about a format in a long time, I think. I agree completely. This looks completely amazing. It looks bonkers. It looks like there's synergy. It looks like there's a lot of power at uncommon. It looks like there's an appropriate amount of power at common. It looks like there's a lot of sweet build arounds at uncommon and rare. Mm-hmm. A lot of rares that are powerful, but not too powerful. I think this has the makings of a very good format. I don't want to be no goat talk or anything yet like that, but this is looking super duper solid. Yeah, it looks awesome. Okay, so if you've never joined us for new set season, first of all, welcome. Thanks for being with us. And second of all, we do things a little differently here on Lords of Limited. We're not going to be doing a full card by card set review style show, though we have graded all the cards in a spreadsheet that will be available to you that we'll be referencing a little later on in the show. But what we're going to do here is give you some big picture thoughts. We're going to look at, you know, creature sizing versus removal, see how that lines up. We'll look at some archetype and keyword support. We'll look at some things that often dictate rules about 
about a limited format like sweepers or life gain or fixing and flying, all that good stuff. Then we'll talk about the grading scale. We'll look at the cards that we've graded separately where we have big differences and argue about them. And then we'll get to my favorite part, which is ranking our top three commons in each color and our top two uncommons in each color. So a lot of really good stuff to get to today and a few housekeeping things to take care of. First of all, we got to chat about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show is always free, but we have a lot of great perks over at the Patreon page and everybody who gives back to the show via the Patreon gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is the place to be for 24-7 limited tech support, as we say each and every week. And we also say that new set season is the time to get in on the Discord if you want access to a bunch of like-minded individuals chatting about what's the play, what's the build. The card evaluation, big picture stuff for Dominario United is popping off. We expect that to continue through the first few weeks of the format going live. And of course, like the trophy channel that we always talk about, the Discord's a great place to be. And there's a lot of other sweet perks over at the Patreon page as you move up the reward tiers. And of course, we want to welcome our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week, we're welcoming Stuart, Nate, Stephen, Scott, Kevin, Mike, Conrad, Johan, James, Jose, Brian, and Justin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. Those folks know what's up. They're getting on the Discord at the start of a format, and you should too. One of those perks is also early access, since we're recording on Friday evening. Can, can folks expect this hot off the presses? I know you're getting ready to go on vacation. Yes, well, I guess my plan is to edit this on the plane tomorrow morning, so this might be in people's inbox as early as Saturday afternoon. Ooh, love to see it. Yeah. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related, as well as TCG Player coming soon in these ad reads. Regardless of which store you're going to, you're going to want to get some Dominaria United sealed product and singles, especially if you're here for draft, you're probably going to want to pick up some sealed product. In addition to all that, we've got articles being written over at CFB Pro. We're making a huge push at the start of Dominaria United different than we normally have in the past to really get a lot of limited articles out early in the life of the format. So if you're already on CFB Pro, be on the lookout for that. And if you're not, what are you doing? Get on (laughs) CFB Pro. And for whatever you're doing over at Channel Fireball, please use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. And we're not directing you to TCG Player necessarily yet. I mean, both stores are kind of one in the same right now, but we don't have a code yet for TCG Player. As soon as we get that code or link, we're going to be starting to talk about that on the podcast, and we'll be directing you there soon. For sure. All right, let's dive into the Crash Course, baby. So first, we're going to look at some stats. So uh, we're going to be comparing some information about the creatures at Common or Uncommon, and we should maybe give a disclaimer that we'll we'll be looking at for almost everything in today's episode only focusing on commons and uncommons we're not going to speculate on rares right now and commons or uncommons are what we'll be playing with largely uh as limited players so we'll be looking at uh creature power and toughness and how that lines up with the removal so the average creature power and toughness for the common and uncommons in dominar united is 2.4 power and 2.77 toughness and that's generally about what we see from set to set that's not anything surprising something in the two and a half range to something in the two and three quarters range. Yeah, and the average removal spell mana value here is very cheap. Mm 2.58 in comparison to Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate, which was a three, which is also 
pretty cheap. So yeah. the average cost that you're going to be paying for those creatures, mana value average cost for a creature is 3.23. So on average, you're getting about a half a mana cheaper for removal. It looks like there is some premium removal in this set. Absolutely. And I will say, as we've sort of seen in past sets, like Neon Dynasty was a little tough with all the sagas that then flipped into creatures. Like counting power and toughness and counting mana value in a set full of kicker and cost reductions on big creatures that exist throughout the format. So I would take the you know the stats here with a little bit of a grain of salt but i agree we have some really premium looking removal spells so we're going to get into what all those specific removal spells hit we're going to take a look at how the removal lines up with the toughness of creatures and what percentage of creatures each removal spell hits as we go up the curve so we're going to kick things off with x1 creatures here we've got 16 total creatures with toughness one which is 16 percent of the creatures overall at common and uncommon and we've got a few cards here that are going to punish x1s first of which is resolute reinforcements this is one and a white for a 1-1 flash. And when it ETBs, you create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. And I would say like, you know, there is a sort of theme of 1-1 tokens, mostly in black and white, uh, that is going to punish one toughness creatures. We've also got something like Splatter Goblin, which is one and a black for a 2-1. When it dies, target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. We've also got Smash to Dust as one and a red with a sorcery. Choose one, destroy an artifact, destroy target creature with defender, or smash dust deals one damage to each creature your opponents control. I would expect that to be mostly sideboard material. So those other two are going to be the ones you're going to want to watch out for if you're playing X ones. Right. And I would say that 16 total creatures with toughness one is a little smaller than we've seen in the, in the past few sets. I feel like it's usually creeping up to, you know, 20, low 20, something like that. So, uh, you know, not a lot of punishing stuff there. Moving on to two toughness creatures. There are 28 creatures with toughness two, which brings us to 44 total or 45% of the total we're, we're counting 98 there's actually 103 common or uncommon creatures but five of those have like variable power toughness so didn't know how to count those so just left them out so that's about 45 percent. so a little less than half of the creatures that common or uncommon have two toughness and what are the removal spells that hit that well we've got tribute to urborg which is one on a black for an instant target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn if the spell is kicked kicker cost is one and a blue that creature gets an additional minus one minus one until end of turn for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard we've also got flowstone infusion which is single red for an instant target creature gets plus two minus two until end of turn there's also meteorite bumped down to common this set that's five mana for an artifact taps to add one mana of any color and when it enters the battlefield it deals two damage to any target we've also got cut down which is likely going to hit a lot of these cards this is black for the instant destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. Yeah. So then once we move up to like X3s, X4s, and X5s, it's actually just red removal that gets specific about, uh, you know, deal three, deal four, deal five. Because a lot of the removal, as you said, looks premium, but it also a lot of the removal just sort of hits anything regardless of its size. Love hearing that. So for X3s, we've got tried and true lightning strike, one in a red for an instant. Lightning strike deals three damage to any target, and that's at common. And that's going to hit 29 creatures with toughness three or 73 total creatures, bringing us up to a whopping 74%. I don't think we can overstate how incredible Lightning Strike looks in this format. You remember last week when I was like, is there a world where Lightning Strike isn't like the best red common? And you were like, no. 
<laughs> and you were right. You were right about that. Yeah, lightning strike looks real good. This next spell also looking really good. So this is going to hit creatures with toughness four, and we have 16 creatures in total with toughness four, 89 of the creatures that this is going to deal with in total. So 91% of total creatures. This is basically killing most things in the format that aren't gigantic. We've got Herloon Battle Him. This is tuna red for an instant with kicker white. Herloon Battle Him deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If this spell was kicked, you gain four life. Woo, so good. Moving up to five toughness, we've got seven creatures with toughness five. That's 96 total, 98% effectively everything. And something that targets five toughness specifically is Jaya's Fire Nado, 400 red for a sorcery, deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker, scry one. So just getting that sort of like, you know, big clunky red removal spell there. Are you any more excited about this knowing that it hits almost everything? Not really. I also am not easier. <laughs> I just okay. wanted to pose I was the like, question. I was like, oh no, what, what am I walking into here? <laughs> no, no, just wanted to check. Okay, okay. And then we've got a bunch of stuff that just straight up deals with everything, no matter what their sizing is. So there's one creature with toughness six, one creature with toughness seven, and a bunch of removal spells to deal with anything. For sure. And in the spreadsheet that has all of our grades, there's also a tab for removal spells. You'll see what we've listed there. We're going to talk about removal in just a second. And there's also a tab for combat tricks slash creatures with flash if you want to check that out as well. One other little category I wanted to check out, there is a removal spell called Destroy Evil. It's one and a white for an instant at common, and it says choose one, destroy target creature with toughness four or greater, or destroy target enchantment. And I was like, huh, I wonder how many creatures there are with toughness four or greater, well, there's 26. So about a quarter of the commons or uncommons are going to get hit by destroy evil. Of course, that's like, you know, save for any uh, kind of kicker bonus you might get or whatever. So about a quarter of the creatures. So I would say likely relegated to the sideboard as well. Yes, I would expect that for sure. All right, moving on to removal specifically. Here's just some general factoids about the removal. So we've got 19 removal spells at common and uncommon, exactly the same as Horizon's Baldur's Gate, pretty typical amount of removal. As we said before, the average removal cost is 2.58, about half a bump down from Baldur's Gate, where it was three mana value for the average removal. And we've got a split of 11 removal spells at common and eight at uncommon. Very typical there as well. For example, Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate was 12 at common and seven at uncommon. And, you know, noteworthy things about the removal in the set, white, black, and red with the lion's share as usual. I would say very noteworthy is that white has two oblivion ring effects one at common and one at uncommon that's a sort of enchantment enters the battlefield exiles a creature until that enchantment leaves the battlefield and then two ways to interact with tapped creatures again one at common and one at uncommon yeah there's actually one that costs a single white mana that destroys a tapped creature i'm very curious to see how good that ends up being yeah for sure i mean it's tough because like Though that's sorcery speed, right? So you're always getting hit by the thing, but the cheapness there cannot be understated. Yes. And green also has a bite spell at common, which is where you reach out and do damage equal to the power, as well as a fight spell at uncommon for a single mana. And then blue has Rona's Vortex. That's the uncommon single blue bounce spell, but has kicker for two and a black. Uh, if you pay the kicker, then you put that creature on the bottom of its owner's library instead. Really good removal spell there. The rest of blue's ways to interact is effectively counter magic. So we didn't count that towards this, but we've got that listed here. A couple of reprints in Essence Scatter, which counters creature spells, and Negate, which counters non-creature spells. And Essence Scatter is looking real good in the format. 
Yeah, for sure. We had uh, Essence Capture reprinted in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, and I was like, ooh, this is going to be so good. It was really good in Ravnica Allegiance, and it really fell flat because a lot of the creatures you wanted to counter were actually sagas. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Creatures are just creatures this time around. And then we've got a junky cancel variant called Airtie's Scorn. Nothing you're going to need to pay attention to there. And then uh, Protect the Negotiators is a one in a blue counter target spell unless its controller pays one for each creature you control. It also has a kicker cost of white. If this spell was kicked, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token, which is quite good. Yes. There's also a bounce spell we discussed last week called Talarian Geyser. Two in a blue sorcery return target creature to its owner's hand. Draw a card. If the spell was kicked for a white mana, you gain three life. I think that is going to be one of the premium blue commons for sure. Yeah, I... I Probably should have just counted that in the removal category because I've counted like, you know, the different effects like you come to a river, right? The one that where it puts the creature on top of the opponent's library. So it's you know doing the same thing of like card neutral for you, right? Because you're drawing a card. Um, so I probably could have put that in the removal category. But it's a little different, though, because you don't blank a draw step. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. But I don't know. Um, so just full disclosure, it's not counted in the the removal categories. We also did not count artifact slash enchantment destruction like broken wings, which is the two and a green instant destroy target artifact enchantment or creature with flying. And there's also Terra Sunder, which is pretty pog. This is a green black split card. So it's one and a green for an instant exile target artifact or enchantment has kicker for one and a black. If you kicked the spell exile target non land permanent instead. Right. So we counted the two black green instant as a removal spell in our spreadsheet, but didn't count the uh, the unkicked version. We've also got a mini sweeper here. Usually these are not super main deckable. It just kind of depends on the format. This is one black black for choking miasma. This is a sorcery that says all creatures get minus two minus two until end of turn. It's got kicker for a green. And if you kicked it, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control. It's kind of nice. There's like if you can kick it. You can save one of your X2s, which makes this a little more playable, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if that that's going to be main deckable. We'll have to wait and see. And then there's an active treason variant. We'll talk about that a little later and a clunky defender tapper. So none of that. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. What? I love the defender theme. How dare you call it clunky? No, no, sorry. The clunky was for the tapper, not the defender theme. I am I am fully on defender board as well. I mean, this tapper, it costs three mana to tap. I guess that's probably clunky. And it's a one mana 03, but neither part of this card is good. (laughs) The only good thing is that it says defender. Um, All right, so that's enough about the removal. Let's get into the new and returning mechanics. If you didn't listen last week, we went over these in uh, much greater detail. We won't be doing that this week. Um, So there's enlist, which we will talk about. There's domain, which we will talk about, because those are really quote-unquote, supported mechanics. The other three, read ahead for sagas, stun counters as a new way to sort of deal with the tap-a-thing, keep-a-thing tapped for X number of turns, and kicker, those are all just sort of in the set. There's not really things that reward you for stun counters. And unlike if you played in Zendikar Rising, where there was like kicker payoffs, right? Blue-green was a kicker deck. Kicker just exists. There's nothing that cares about you kicking spells, really. For sure. And one last point before we dive into these sort of like, you know, themes, keyword, archetype, support, mechanics, whatever, is that usually sets are like, okay, white, green is plus one, plus one counters. And here are, you know, the six commons that exist that support that. And here are your two uncommon payoffs or whatever. This format really isn't like that. Sure, there's some of that. There's like some blue, red instant sorcery stuff we'll get to. But a lot of it was like, here's a thing that black does. 
And then here's a secondary color that sort of does that and a tertiary color that sort of does that even smaller. But it leads me to believe that there's going to be a lot of archetype bleed. It doesn't seem as cookie cutter as some limited formats are. Yeah, a lot of room to color outside the lines. I am very excited about that aspect of the format. All right, so our first keyword here is enlist. There are nine total creatures with enlist, and if you missed last week, enlist basically says if a creature has enlist, when it attacks, you can tap another creature that is not attacking and doesn't have summoning sickness, and then you add the power of that creature that you just tapped to the power of the enlist creature. So this is concentrated in Naya. There's an even split of three white, three green, and three red creatures with enlist. And there are three notable enablers. Well, what do I mean by an enabler? Isn't an enabler just like something that has high power to tap? Well, sure. But there's actually three creatures that do like cute things of, hey, when this is tapped, you get to do this thing. And so you can kind of get away with it without attacking. So first up is Rada, Coalition Warlord. This is two red green for a 3-3, legendary creature elf warrior. And it has domain. When Rada, Coalition Warlord becomes tapped, another target creature you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. So I think you might look at this and go, ooh, this is like a domain payoff, which sure it can be, but I think it's secretly more of an enlist card. Yeah, I don't know if we're about to argue about these later, but if we are, I have to fold because I did not think about the enlist synergy. I was pointing that out last week and did not think about it with these two <laughs> cards at all. So I, told you, I told you at the end of the episode, that's all I was thinking about. And now there's another card called Zar Ojanin, Scion of Afrava. That's three green white for a 4-4 cat warrior that is also much more pog when you look at it <laughs> under the lens of Enlist. So this card has domain. Whenever this becomes tapped, put a plus plus one counter on each creature you control with toughness less than the number of basic land types among lands you control. That is spicy if you are enlisting it. Right? Isn't that kind of wild with Enlist? Like you're just like, okay, add four power to this attacker plus get this bonus of plus one plus one counter on each creature. That is crazy. I am way more excited about both those cards. Yeah. And we talked about Samite Herbalist last week. This is one in white for a 2-1. This is a common. Whenever it becomes tapped, you gain a life and scry one. So a much smaller little payoff there. But I think, again, you don't have to think about these cards as just turning sideways to attack. You can turn them sideways to enlist as well. Love it. Next up, we're moving on to Defenders. We've got nine total creatures with Defender, and they are concentrated in the Esper colors, black, blue, and white. Each one of those colors has a payoff at Uncommon, as well as sort of an enabler at Common. Plus, we've got a green Common that's looking very strong, Feliferous Vinewall. One and a green for an O2 Defender. When ETBs look at the top six cards of your library, you may reveal a land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, I was much more excited about Floriferous Vinewall before I realized that there wasn't a green uncommon wall payoff. Yeah, but green's going to be domain, right? So you're going to yeah. be able to be base green domain defenders. Yeah, that's the question is like, how deep does green go of like, is green doing domain stuff, which I, I also don't know how well I feel like Floriferous Vinewall does the domain thing because it doesn't actually search for a basic. You just get the one from the top six, but whatever. But the other thing that I'm so excited about, Shrine Steward is back. There's Shield Wall Sentinel, which is four mana for a common 1-3 artifact golem with Defender. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with Defender, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Now I know, I know, Shrine Steward and Neon Dynasty could get removal spells. This can't, but I'm still kind of excited about this card. 
Yeah, absolutely. That card looks sweet. And honestly, the best of the uncommon payoffs looks like Wing Mantle Chaplain. Yeah. So three and a white for an 0-3 with Defender. And when it ETBs, you make a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying for each creature with Defender you control. And whenever you cast another Defender afterwards or it ETBs afterwards, you make another 1-1 white bird creature token with flying. So no matter what order you draw your Defenders in with this, you're going to get those birds. This looks like a real and serious payoff to the Defender deck. Absolutely. Next up, we've got Instance and Sorceries. And this is a great example of that sort of like color bleed thing I was talking about. So there's 17 cards that care about Instance or Sorceries. And it's not just like, well, it's blue-red. It's concentrated in blue. Both blue-red signpost uncommons care about it. There's a few red cards that care. But then also, so does some blue-white gold cards, and so do some black cards. Like, it's everywhere but green in the set, but concentrated in blue for sure. We've got a list of a few notable payoffs and a few notable enablers in uh, in the format here. One of them I really want to talk about as a notable payoff is Balmor, Battle Mage Captain. It's blue-red for a 1-3 legendary creature bird wizard with flying, and it says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain trample until end of turn. That card is a beating. Yeah, for sure. And there's a ton of enablers here as well. So obviously there's a lot of instants and sorceries, but you need to be extra on the lookout for the ones that are cheap and replace themselves. So for example, something like Timely Interference is blue for an instant. Target creature gets minus one, minus oh until end of turn. If the spell was kicked for one and a red, that creature blocks this turn if able, and then you draw a card. And we're not going to read a bunch of cards at you, but suffice to say, this instance and sorceries theme that is prevalent throughout, like you said, blue-red, it's in blue-white, and then like the blue-white twist on it is you like cast the instance and sorceries to get tokens, and there's kind of like a go-wide token payoff in white as well. So I think there's a lot of really cool things to do with instance and sorceries, and they are very supported. I don't think we disagreed about this card, but I want to chat about it because I think it's really tough to understand, or, or at least it was for me. You know, grading the cards usually is sort of like I'm just humming along, and then every so often there's a card that makes me like record scratch, and I like read over it <laughs> again and again. And Fires of Victory was one of those. So this is one in a red for an instant. It says if this spell was kicked, the kicker cost is two in a blue, you draw a card. Fires of Victory deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of cards in your hand. So like early in the game, this is going to kill anything you want. Yes. And then as the game progresses, this gets worse as a removal spell, but you have the upside of being able to cantrip with it. Yes. So if your hand size is two, you can kick it and then still deal two. Or if your hand size is three with this, like mm-hmm. you can kick it and still deal three. This is nowhere near as good as lightning strike, right? No, of course not. And I think, you know, we'll talk about this in a second when we get to our grading scale, but we actually added, (laughs) I wanted to add more augmentations, but refrained and just added one augmentation to the grading, (laughs) which was, you'll see if you're looking at our grading sheet, a parentheses K in some of the grades, and that means grading it, assuming you can kick it, not assuming that you are kicking it, but that that's how you're, I'm going to grade it. Like you have to have access to blue to want this card. And that's how I feel about fires of victory, I think. For sure. All right, next up, we've got Sacrifice. This theme is concentrated in black and white, for both its signpost on commons care about this, and it bleeds into red a little bit, for example, with a card like Lagamos Hand of Hatred. This is one black red for a 1-3 human shaman, legendary creature. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 red elemental creature token with trample and haste, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step, then you can tap, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle, 
activate that ability only if five or more creatures die this turn. So basically for limited, probably not activating that ability. If you are, either your deck is super sweet or something went <laughs> horrifically wrong. One of the two, <laughs> no in between. But the free token as sacrifice fodder is awesome to be able to potentially sacrifice in the middle of the turn to get yourself some benefits or just sacrifice triggers when it dies at the end step. And if you're like me, every time you hear like, ooh, there's a sacrifice theme, it's like, okay, Where's the active treason? Well, we have one. It's called In Thrall to the Pit. Three and a red for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. That's all text we know about before. But it also has kicker for two and a black. And if the spell was kicked, sacrifice that creature at the beginning of the next end step. So sort of a steal and sack built into one card. I don't love that card. It's pretty expensive. And there are not a lot of free or cheap sacrifice outlets. No, not a lot. There are a lot of sack outlets and multiple repeatable as well. We'll talk about uh, Gibbering Barricade a little later. There's also a card called Phyrexian Warhorse, which is three and a black for a three, three. You can pay one, sack another creature to give it plus two, plus one until end of turn. It also has a kicker cost of a white. And if you kick it, it comes along with a one, one soldier token buddy. And then notable enablers, we've got about six listed here. We're not going to read them off, but effectively three in white and three in black that I noted that are like either, you know, things that make free one ones or, you know, additional one ones or things that can trip when they come into play. So you're happy to sacrifice them, that sort of thing. All right. That brings us along to the graveyard. Black, as usual, cares a lot about the graveyard with cards that fill your graveyard and cards that care about types in your yard, either like creatures, maybe their mana value other sorts of things like that, or just instants and sorceries being in your graveyard. And there's a good bit of recursive spells. You'll see there's like a Zombify variant that returns a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. There are a few raised dead effects, either as just some spells, spells attached to creatures, or Gravedigger variant, like a creature that comes into play and returns a, a creature from your graveyard to your hand. So you'll have a lot of ways to, you know, maybe mill yourself and then grab those spells or creatures out of your graveyard back into your hand. And both of the black green and the blue black signposts care about the graveyard as well in some way. Two of those are actually also helpful to fill your graveyard as well, which there aren't a ton of ways to do in the format. So first up, we've got Vahar Medallion Desecrator. This is blue black for a one two merfolk wizard legendary. Tap, draw a card, discard a card. If you discarded an instant or sorcery card this way, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then it has the ability to sacrifice itself. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. That spell will be put into your graveyard. Exile it instead. Activate this only at sorcery speed. I love how you left me with this card to talk about, which is Urg, Spawn of Turg. <laughs> black, black, green for a star five legendary creature frog beast. Its power is equal to the number of, wait for it, land cards in your graveyard. There's this weird medium supported lands in your yard <laughs> thing that's sort of in like jund colors it's this set is wild man and says at the beginning of your upkeep look at the top card of your library you may put that card into your graveyard so you effectively get to surveil every turn and you can pay black green sack a land to gain two life weird card but that like so there's like stuff that cares about instants and sorceries in the yard stuff that cares about creatures even some stuff that cares about lands Yes, and that takes us on to Domain as our next keyword. We've got 16 total cards with Domain. Almost all of them are in green, plus a common in each other color. So a few notable payoffs here. First up is Joda's Codex. This is five mana for an artifact. It has Domain 5, tap, draw a card, and it costs one less to activate for each basic land type among lands you control. 
I hope that card is sweet, but it seems really sweet. If that, if you can get that to like, you know, if the domain deck can consistently be, not consistently, but if you can get a domain deck that gets, you know, all basic land types and you're just drawing an extra card for free every turn, it's a pretty big game. Card is either going to be horrifically clunky or very powerful and not a lot of in between, I think. When we had like pretty niche style grades, like build around C+, which is I believe what we both gave that card, that made me feel better about my evaluation of it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not good enough to make you go ham for domain. But like, once you are doing domain things, I think you're actively interested in putting a Jota's Codex in your deck. At least I am to start the format. Like, and Mm -hmm. then if it's whatever, too slow or too clunky, you would adjust. But my initial read on the card is that if you're doing this thing and you successfully get domain, that is a card you want in your deck. We'll talk about Territorial Morrow when we get to our grading differences, but I do want to talk about Nail Avazoa Aeronaut. This is two green blue for a 2-4 with flying, and green blue is where domain is sort of concentrated, or like green blue seems to be what cares about domain in a way. And this has domain when Nail Avazoa Aeronaut deals combat damage to a player. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is your domain, and then you put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Then if you've got the full domain, five basic land types among lands you control, draw a card card is powerful there's actually an uncommon of each green x color pair that cares about domain yes well but except some of them like i think the red green one that we talked about before i feel like that's more of an enlist card (laughs) like the green red and the green white one that had domain i think are more enlist than domain for sure yeah yeah and what enablers are there for domain well that brings us to the fixing and i think i could be wrong about this my initial take is that because domain exists in the set Fixing that doesn't grab basic land types is going to generally be worse than stuff that fixes your mana, but doesn't affect your mana base. I would like to second that proposal. Ooh, okay. I thought I was going to get some pushback. I'm happy to hear it. So, Ben, we were talking about it last week. We haven't seen any mana fixing. Where's the mana fixing? Oh, there's got to be an Evolving Wilds variant. Well, Watsy did us one better, or I should say 10 better, in that there are 10 common ETB tapped dual lands, well, they don't gain you life, but they do have both basic land types. So the white blue one taps for planes or island, and it is in fact a planes and an island itself. Yeah, these dual lands existing is a huge boon for domain in the format, right? So theoretically, you're going to be able to get domain with just two of these duels and one other basic. And then there are some ways to search them up as well, right? So cards that say search up a basic land cannot go get these duels. At least that's our current understanding. But there's also wording on cards like, for example, Sprouting Goblin. This is one in a red for a 2-2 with Kicker of Green. And it says when it ETBs, if it was kicked, search your library for a land card with a basic land type, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And then it also has the ability red tap, sacrifice a land, draw a card. But anything that's got that text of search your library for a land with a basic land type those are going to be able to grab those ETB tapped duels that are like, for example, Swamp Mountain or whatever. Right. Or something like Scout the Wilderness says, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. I don't think that can grab one of the dual lands. Yes. And then there's a few non-basic fixers. I think we're actually going to talk about one of these uh, in the artifact section, but we've got Relic of Legends as an uncommon Mana Rock, the taps for any color. Meteorite, we talked about already. That's the deal to five mana, Mana Rock. And then we'll talk about Salvaged Mana Worker a little later. There's also a couple of ways to look at the top X cards of your library and find a land. We're not technically counting that as fixing. But I am pretty jazzed about that one in a green O2 with Defender. 
I, I really want to be, but I don't think that card's going to be good. Boo. I know, I know. Next up, we've got Incidental Life Gain. There is actually a good bit of Incidental Life Gain in white and black. Uh, five and five from each at common or uncommon, plus the gold uncommon that has the, like, whenever a creature ETBs for you, gain a life, and whenever it dies, uh, your opponent lose a life. Then blue and red each have a common with white kicker that adds life gain. We've actually talked about both of those, the blue bounce spell and the red burn spell at uncommon. Green also has a card that is Pogers. This is Mossbeard Ancient. Huge dumb thing for the format. Actually, not even that dumb. So it's 5GG <laughs> for 7-7 seven, seven with Trample. And when it ETBs, you gain 5 life. Move over, Honey Mammoth. There's a new kid in town. <laughs> uh, there's actually only one creature with actual lifelink. This is Phyrexian Missionary. It's one and a white for a 2-3 with lifelink. And you can pay one and a black for the kicker cost. And if you do, if you kicked it when it enters the battlefield, you return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. There's not any life gain payoffs, though. We were thinking maybe there was a life gain theme based on how much we saw last week in the previews, but there's only one card that cares about it. That is Knight of Dawn's Light, one and a white for a 2-2 first strike. If you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead, and then it has one and a white to pump itself plus one plus one until end of turn. But nothing, it's going to give you some sweet synergy for gaining life. You're just going to be able to gain life to not die, which is also the sweetest synergy. <laughs> life gain just has synergy with your own life total. That's right. uh, next up, we're looking at sweepers. There's a lot of mini sweepers. And what I mean by mini sweepers, I mean, we talked about one of them already, Choking Miasma. That's the one black, black. All creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. So there's a few of those actually variants at rare. And then we've also got a couple actual factual sweepers first up is drag to the bottom this is two black black for a sorcery and as domain each creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn where x is one plus the number of basic land types among lands you control weird to have a domain spell that's also black black yeah there's also temporal firestorm three red red for a sorcery it's got kicker one in a white and or one in a blue choose up to x creatures and or planeswalkers you control where x is the number of times this spell was kicked those permanents phase out, and then Temporal Firestorm deals five damage to each creature and each Planeswalker. Ooh, that's got some, uh, oh, what was it called? Time Wipe? Time the thing? Wipe, yeah. That's got some Time Wipe inklings to me a little bit of like, me. hey, sa save this thing. I mean, it's seven mana, but you don't have to recast the thing. Seven mana or nine mana, yeah. And we saw five damage is going to deal with most of the creatures. Right, for sure. All right, that takes us along to mana sinks, which are repeatable places to put your mana each and every turn. First is Kicker, which is not repeatable, but is going to be a huge player in the format. There are boatloads of places to put your mana in this format. And should we talk about Kicker? I feel like if you haven't played with Kicker before... I think you're going to be really tempted to always kick the spell, right? You always want maximum value from the cards. Just remember that you should be spending your mana if you can every turn and like don't always feel like you have to kick them. Now, I think a lot of the cards in this format don't actually suffer from kicker effects we've seen in the past where it's like eh, the, the non-kicked version is kind of mediocre and then the kicked version is actually a good card. I think both halves of these cards are actually pretty good most of the time. Yes. And I think exactly what you said. You need to cast your spells. And part of the power of Kicker is that you have the option to not cast it for five mana or seven mana or whatever. If you need a two drop or you need a three drop, boom, you've got that option as well. Um, there's a lot of places to put mana in terms of creature pump, whether that's for your team or for individual creatures. 
There's also this defenders theme that we talked about, right? A lot of those have activated abilities. We'll talk about those when we get to grading, but you know, there's the white common tapper. There's one that mills your opponent for the amount of defenders you have. There's one that causes your opponent to lose life for the amount of defenders you have, but those are all abilities that cost mana to activate. We've got a couple pieces of equipment that are fine, not good. And I think we're about to argue about those in a second. I mean, I already won. You just said fine, not good. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, some sacrifice outlets or some repeatable scries, a repeatable rummager. Those are all listed in our show notes. So our, our patrons have access to those. But, you know, a, a good mix, I think, of places to put your mana with also kicker existing. I think uh, I think we're not going to run out of things to do with our mana in this format. Yeah. And one of the reasons we started taking a look at this was in Ixalan when we were originally like first starting out our journey as limited content creators, there were not a ton of places to put your mana. So it was a huge premium to get a thing that was a repeatable mana sink in that format. And here they are quite abundant. And I think that points to, like you said, not running out of mana, but also hopefully a format where the games are going to go a little bit longer so that you can take advantage of those places to put your mana. Absolutely. Lastly, we've got flying and flying hate. We've got 18 creatures with flying, which is quite a fair amount of creatures with flying, honestly. Yeah, it's usually in the like, you know, 15 to 20 range. So we're on that on that higher echelon there. And we've also got two sagas that make flying tokens. We've got a defender that makes flyers. We talked about that one. And we've got a blue green signpost uncommon in Tatiova that can turn your lands into three threes with flying. To combat that, we've got three creatures with reach. Magnus Sentry is a 4-4 in green, Snare Spinner is a 1-3 in green, and Maria's Outrider is a 4-4 in red. And then in terms of flying hate specifically, we have Broken Wings, 2 in a green instant, destroy target artifact enchantment, or creature with flying. All right, boom. That takes us on to arguing about these cards. But before we get into <laughs> arguing about the cards where we had gradation differences, we want to go over the grading scale. This is the classic limited resources grading scale. So we're going to kick things off with A's. Those are your bombs, your game winners, cards that are good in many situations, especially when you're behind. Some of the best cards in the set, like bomb rares and hyper-efficient removal spells. I thought we were doing the Lords of Limited grading scale that was stupid cheater rares, busto, busto, <laughs> busto, super duper solid. Sorry. Anyway, so some examples of busto rares from Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate are, of course, Lazelle, the Hourglass Coven, and Chaos Baylor. We've also got bees, which are strong cards that pull you into color or make you want to play that color. Reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors, some of the best commons and very good uncommons. Things like Patriarch's Humiliation, Dragon's Fire, Underseller Myconid, or Thyan Invokers. Your C's are solid playables, the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, very interchangeable, average creatures, normal removal spells, so things like Owlbear, Flaming Fist, Dust Guard, Shambling Ghast, and Undersimplify. Your Ds are cards that are sometimes playable, below average 22nd, 23rd type cards, things like Cloak of the Bat, Earth Cult Elemental, or Thieves Tools. Your Fs are unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, weird rares like Storm King's Thunder, Traverse the Outlands, and Baldur's Gate. We've also got a couple of augmentations to our grades. The first up is sideboard cards, which are cards that don't make the main deck when you board them in can be quite good. Things like Broken Wings or Negate. Build around cards are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be good to great, like Babala Saga Night Witch, Alora Rogue Companion, and Stick Together. We've also got synergy cards, which are cards that are not good enough to build around, but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. Think things like Prophetic Prism, Vladimir and Godfrey, or Icewind Stalwart. 
And as I said, in addition to seeing the letters BA for build around or SYN for synergy in our spreadsheet, you'll also notice some parentheses K, which just means that the grade given assumes you can pay for the kicker. All right, put those fighting gloves on and let's get into it. First card up is Juniper Order Root Weaver. You gave this a C and I gave this a D plus. Talk to me about Juniper Order Root Weaver. I don't feel great about this card. So this is one and a white for a 2-2. It has a kicker cost of green. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature. I don't know why I like these cards. I mean, kick... I mean, I did give this a kicker C, so I don't think this is like incredible or anything. Um, and I think probably upon further inspection, this isn't even that worth it. Like green white doesn't care about counters. I don't really know what you're doing with the counter. I- I'm good to to join you at D plus. Yeah, I mean, you're never playing this, I think, unless you can kick it. And even when you can kick it, it's just fine. It's right? just fine. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. One point on the board. <laughs> Moving on to Mesa Cavalier. Yeah, this is two and a white for a 2-1 human knight with flying. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life. I give this a C plus. You give this a C minus. I mean, C minus? <laughs> sure, C mi- maybe it's a C, but like, this is not a C plus. This is a highly interchangeable card, right? It's got no synergy in that the life gain stuff doesn't matter. Didn't you just say that life gain has synergy with yourself? I was just being funnily philosophical. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I hear what you're saying. So it doesn't have any synergy, but isn't this just good? There's like a couple of 1-1 flying token makers that guess kind of punish this. But otherwise, I think this is just going to be a real threat. And the two life is like, that's not nothing that like negates an attack from a two drop. Mm, I am not buying that this card matters at all in the format. I think this is going to be totally whatever, whether it makes your deck or not. Wow. Okay. That makes me feel bad for putting it as my number two white common, but sure. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, we've got Captain's Call. I gave us a B minus. You gave us a Synergy C. This is three and a white for sorcery. Create three one one white soldier creature tokens. I love this card. I think I just tweeted about this a couple hours ago. I think this is going to be the most underrated card at the start of the format. This just looks like synergy all over the place. So I think if you just look at the card as face value, four mana for three one ones, like that's a good limited Magic the Gathering card, right? Like you would rather have that than the one body. You'd rather have the three creatures. But wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not a good Magic the Gathering card. Yeah. My friend, if you're going to tell me that Mesa Cavalier doesn't matter, I'm going to tell you that four mana for three one ones doesn't matter. Four mana for three ones is a much better card than Mesa Cavalier. No, no, it's not. A wise man, a wise podcast co-host once told me that for something to cost four mana, it has to really matter, has to really do something special. This doesn't do something special. I'm with you on the synergy side of things, but I just need to push back on that's just a good card when you just poo-pooed my 2-1 flyer. Okay, this is a fine card, an above average card. Can I get away with that? No. You, You can get away with above average. Okay, above average. An above average card. And then when you factor in the synergy, so we talked about all the instants and sorcery synergy. This is going to be great in blue-white. I think that's where its best home is going to be because you really have this white tokens theme. Like there already are go-wide themes in the format. This is going to intersect with white-black as far as giving you a bunch of sacrifice fodder. I just think this card is much like Forbidden Friendship was in Ikoria. I think this is that style of glue card that intersects a lot of these themes in a place that overlaps very nicely. Like a sorcery that provides bodies like this and synergy and sacrifice fodder looks super good to me. Yeah, I buy synergy in a black-white deck. I am less jazzed about this in any other color pair. And 
I'm not also buying glue cards being four mana. I think I think glue cards got to be cheap. I, I'm gonna I'm, I could see synergy C plus, but just a raw B minus is wild to me on this card. Yeah, I'm probably slightly high, but I wanted to gush about this card. <laughs> yes, well, that's look, that's you got a platform for gushing, my friend. All right, next up we've got heroic charge. This is two white white for an instant creatures you control get plus two plus one until end of turn, and it has a kicker cost of one and a red. If it was kicked, those creatures also gain trample until end of turn. I gave this a C minus. You gave this a D. We're probably saying similar things with different grades but i also can't believe i'm like about to become the champion of all these like aggressive cards in all of our grading differences which i don't know how that happened but white decks are gonna want a copy of this card right probably yeah this is gonna end some games i just don't think you're gonna need to pick it highly that remains to be seen i mean these effects are much better when they're instant speed and so like i could see d plus c minus i do think we're saying the same thing with different grades like a card that you will include in white decks as a one of yeah, for sure. Okay, that moves us on to blue. First up, we're going to look at a card that I think I agree with you here. I think I'm a little too hot, but I wanted to just highlight it to talk about it. This is Impulse. It's a reprint. This is one in a blue for an instant. Look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I initially gave this Synergy C, like with a nod to the blue spell stuff. You gave this a D, and it's probably, I think, closer to where you're at, maybe like Synergy D+, which says the same thing. But I sort of wanted to, to point out like, so where's the line for you with this blue, red, or just sort of blue style of cares about instants and sorceries, right? Because in theory, this is the kind of card that you might want, right? Cheap, cantrips, but it just doesn't affect the board at all. So maybe it just like doesn't have a place. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly going to include this in that deck, but it's so much worse than something like Timely Interference. That's the single blue instant that draws a card with a creature minus one minus zero. Like one versus two on a card like this is so different when you're trying to chain multiple instants and sorceries together in a turn to trigger all these things multiple times. Well, and the fact that that card, and we'll talk about that a little bit again when we get to our top commons, that that card could potentially be a two for one, can affect the board in terms of like, you know, make, maybe enabling a, a block for you or a trade for you. Impulse doesn't do any of that. So I, I'm, I'm in for going down to the D range with you on Impulse. All right. Next up, we've got Academy Wall. I gave us a Synergy C. You give us a Synergy D plus, so I'm higher. Academy Wall is two and a blue for an O5 with Defender. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may draw a card. If you do discard a card, this ability triggers only once each turn. I think if you are in the wall deck, this is one of the highest toughness walls for the least amount of mana. And I think we've seen there's not a lot of high powered things like this is going to when it comes down on turn three, halt your opponent's offense pretty well. Now, the one thing it doesn't do is like discourage attacks by X ones or X twos by having some amount of power and toughness. But the fact that this is kind of like two in a blue, a removal spell for one of your opponent's attackers, while also being a defender that sits on the battlefield, while also helping you rummage to find some other things every once in a while. I just think this does enough that it's going to be a card you're actively interested in if you're in the Defenders deck. Yeah, you you had me until you said actively interested in. I just, I think even in Defenders, this seems so junky to me. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the the five toughness thing could be the, the breaking point here. But this just seems like clunk city to me. I mean, I don't think it's premium. I gave it a grade of a C. But I think... If you're playing Defenders, you're going to have copies of Academy Wall in your deck, and I think you're going to be happy about it. Yeah, that's I don't I don't think I'm going to be happy about it. That's my that's my feeling right now, at least. Okay. 
Next up, we have Phyrexian Espionage. Two and a blue for a sorcery, draw two cards, so just straight up divination. It also has kicker cost of one and a black. If the spell was kicked, each opponent discards a card. This is a throwback to, what was it called? Like Probe, I think? It was like two and a blue. You like draw three, discard a card, and then it had kicker of one and a black. And if it was kicked, I think your opponent discarded two cards, or maybe the kicker was two and a black. Anyway, so it's like a mini version of that. But I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. My friend, divination is no good anymore. I mean, OG Dominaria, Divination was one of the best commons. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Does this set look like OG Dominaria to you? It does not look exactly like that to me, but I think it looks like you're going to want to hit land drops and a card like this that helps you hit land drops. I think I am not writing off. I'm assuming this is playable until proven otherwise, I think, in the format. And you like this a full letter grade more than Impulse. Yes, you're getting some card advantage for only one more mana. I think... If you're in that blue-red deck, for example, and you're turning to filler-esque cards for your instants and sorceries, I would much rather be getting some card advantage than card selection, I think. See, this is what we're going to have to have. I I have to remind myself this because I always forget. At the end of this format, listeners, please remind me. We're going to have to (laughs) devote a whole episode to like breaking down the grading scale because you keep saying filler and you're calling this a C. Filler, in my mind, is a D that's that's replaceable that's replace like it's interchangeable it's filler and you're calling it a c that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> our, our definition of c is according to what we read off c's are solid playables uh-huh the meat and potatoes of a limited deck uh-huh very interchangeable average creatures normal removal spells that card is very interchangeable. You're focusing on one aspect of the like six descriptors of C's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. I, okay. I hear that. I heard. Okay. Message received. All right. Fair, 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 fair. Uh, that's going to take us on to black. As, uh, despite our arguments and our, our heated debate here, we actually don't have a ton of great disagreements to uh, to go over here. Well, what you actually don't realize is that by opening up that CD discussion, we actually just both lost because we're going to have a billion people tweeting at us and like oh, no. commenting about C's and D's in the Discord. So yeah, right, point that, loss for that, both of that. us. <laughs> uh, first up in black, we've got Eerie Soul Tender, which I do want to talk about. This is two in a black for a three one. It enters the battlefield and you mill three cards. Remember we talked about black doing the graveyard thing. There's not actually a lot of ways to other than, you know, things that dying get cards in the graveyard so the self mill is relevant here and then it's got four and a black exile eerie soul tender from your graveyard return another target creature card from your graveyard to your hand i gave this a d you gave this a synergy c plus yeah i like this card i think a three mana three one is not anything to write home about but the mill is good right there's not a ton of ways to do that so this is kind of a unique card in that Mm -hmm. aspect and then it's also given enough time and enough mana a two for one, assuming that you can trade it off for something and then rebuy another card that presumably, if you're putting this in your deck, you're going to have some card selection at that point because you're going to have milled a lot or it's going to be later in the game. So I think all told, this looks good to me. And my anticipation is that they built all these mana sinks into the format that we're getting a chance to use them. And this is not like premium, right? It's a really expensive rate. But I think the fact that it's there means this is a card that mill decks are going to be interested in. Yeah, this reminded me of Maestro's Initiate from SNC, which is a three mana, three one. And when it was in the graveyard, you could pay four and uh, blue or red to draw two cards and discard a card. You had to exile it, of course, um, from your graveyard to do that. But I was like, I know that was like a fine card, but filler at the end of the day. And I think this is similar, except I do think... 
the synergy aspect of it is right with the mill three. I think there are going to be a good number of black decks that are interested in this. So I'm going to bump up to like synergy C minus synergy C. Right. Well, I think I also thought of Maestro's initiate and I was had the exact same train of thought you did, but then went one step further and thought, but yeah, SNC was hyper aggressive. And this format does not look that way to me at first glance. I mean, there are some aggressive decks and some aggressive cards, but there's also a lot of stuff that points towards, you know, games going a little longer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to think the format's not aggressive when you grade all the aggressive cards as Ds, sir. <laughs> That's why I think the format's not going <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> all right, next up, we've got Blight Pile. This is a black uncommon defender payoff. This is one and a black for a three through a defender, two and a black tap. Each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of creatures with defender you control. You gave us a build around B. I gave us a build around C+. Yeah, we both gave the same grade uh, build around C plus to Coral Colony. That's the blue two mana one four with defender that then mills your opponent equal to the number of defenders you control. I think this is a much better payoff for the defenders deck than the mill card because this like the mill card is like all in all out, right? Your opponent can have like four cards in their library and still win or whatever. Whereas, you know, if you're in theory in your defenders deck, you're still going to have things that attack your opponent too and blight pile then tax on to that. Um, so I like this a lot more. I think I think this has to be better than the colony. Yeah, I actually disagree with that, I think. Let me see if I can sell you on Coral Colony. So Coral Colony is the one in a blue for the one four and it's one in a blue tap mill X. I think there's two things that make me like Coral Colony more than Blight Pile. One is that you get one more point of toughness, which I think the Defender deck is going to be interested in because it's basically operating as a control deck, right? With this Defender synergy as the payoff or the finisher. Mm-hmm. And then I think Coral Colony and Blight Pile both are going to end the game at similar paces. And Coral Colony's activation only costs two, whereas Blight Pile's activation costs three. So I actually like Coral Colony better, but ultimately, I think they're pretty interchangeable because the way I'm envisioning the Defender deck, at least currently, is that like you're playing Defenders in a control shell and you don't care how you win the game, whether it's with Mm. Blight Pile or Colony or whatever. But I think that Coral Colony's activation being two versus three, if it is your win con of choice, is a pretty big deal. All right. You you sold me not on bumping down Blight Pile's grade, but bumping up Coral Colony's grade. (laughs) Okay, great. I mean, I'm very excited about the Fenders deck. I just don't think that like neither one of these push me into the Defenders deck. I think the card that's going to push me into the Defenders deck is the white payoff that makes the 1-1 flyers. I like, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe I shouldn't be as high on the, the blue or the black one, but I feel like the black one is pretty good. Okay. Next up, we got a big difference here. Braid's Frightful Return. I'm ready to be wrong about this. This is two and a black for a saga. And remember, sagas have read ahead in this format, which means they enter the battlefield. You can start them at chapter one, or you can they can come into play, you start them on chapter two, or even chapter three if you want. Um, and then you just skip over the ones that you decided to skip over. So chapter one here is you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, each opponent discards a card. Weird that there's a may on a thing you can skip, first of all. (laughs) Chapter two, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Chapter three, target opponent may sacrifice a non-land, non-token permanent. If they don't, they lose two life and you draw a card. I gave this a B, you gave this a C. So I got to try and sell you on this. So my thought about this was... And maybe I should have said like synergy B, but I do feel like black has the tools to make this work most of the time. I don't think that this is often going to feel like a three drop to me. Like, I don't think you're going to want to fire this off on turn three because you don't really want to go like 
you know, you probably don't have a thing to get back out of your graveyard, right? Like maybe you got the two mana, two, one in play. You sack that, kill your opponents, one, one, right? The thing that dies gives a creature minus one, minus one. Maybe you have that going on, but likely you're not going to have a thing in your graveyard to return. And you're also not going to want to reduce your board presence on turn three. But if you play this later, this does turn into a two for one. I'm thinking you just skip over chapter one. You just use it as a raised dead. And then either they sack a thing or you get back a thing or you, you, they sack a thing or you draw a card. All right. Are you ready, listeners? We have our first, let me ask you this. There it is. Yes. Of the grading scale. So let me ask you this, Ethan. If we move back to blue and Phyrexian Espionage, you gave it a D plus for just a straight up on turn three, three mana, draw two cards. You're like selling me on this convoluted way to maybe get a two for one, like late in the game with Braid's Frightful Return. I think this card looks clunky as all heck and very hard to set up. I could see running in a black deck that has some sacrifice synergy, but even there, I don't think it's great. Like later in the game, your opponent's going to have things to discard. It's very unlikely that you're going to nab their last thing. Now, maybe this card's more relevant if lands matter and you really want to hit land drops. I could see this card being a bit better then, but but I just don't think if you don't like divination in this format, you could possibly like braid's frightful return this looks like a bad divination to me the joke i want to make is yeah it's filler it's a b um no but (laughs) (laughs) but i think you're right i think this is i i like this better than divination but this is hard to set up and it's probably clunky i was just like i was like ah it's a two for one but it's it is a clunky hard to set up two for one i still contend that divination is poop because this at least kind of affects the board not really i guess not really your well it affects the board to play around this in a million different ways it affects the board in that you sacrifice your own board in chapter one i think if you're making a case for this being a good card it is on the back of this is a synergistic card yeah that's that's fine i'll go i'll go synergy c plus i did say i was ready to be uh be wrong about that card <laughs> <laughs> folding before we even went going yeah All right, next up, we've got Shieldred's Restoration. This is three and a black for a sorcery with kicker of two and a white. You return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. If the spell was kicked, you gain life equal to that card's mana value. Otherwise, you lose that much life, and then you exile Shieldred's Restoration. You give this a D. I give this a kicker C. I just need to, I want to, before you sell me on this, I'll have you know, I gave this a D before I realized that unkicked, you lost that much life. (laughs) <laughs> wow <laughs> you just thought I, it was you just thought it was four mana return a creature from your graveyard to the yeah i just thought it was zombify with this like oh and if you have you want to pay seven mana to zombify something you can gain a little bit of life then i realized that it was four mana return the thing and lose that much life this card is bad i mean it's not great i think if you're paying seven for it it's a pretty powerful effect now like you're no, it is it that's so expensive but the gaining life part is a big deal right like because ideally you're reanimating something good i mean like i'm viewing this card as like a weird payoff for like an all-in reanimator deck which does, is does likely exist? i don't see a synergy or build around letter there sir sure it should have a synergy for whatever grade i put there but like i'm picturing you're in like black blue green splashing white domain like have some good <laughs> rares to reanimate don't laugh at me wow. i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm picturing this you know twice in a format style deck so of course it's a c yes it's filler it's filler it's a c <laughs> stop bullying me <laughs> i'm not bullying you 
But yes, I, I am imagining this exactly what you said <laughs> in, a, in a twice a format deck. So I suppose I will give it a D. <laughs> I fold, good sir. Okay, all right, great. All right, that's going to take us on to a couple strong disagreements here in red. First up is Hammerhand. This is single red for an aura. Enchant creature, when a Hammerhand enters the battlefield, target creature can't block this turn. And it has Enchanted Creature, gets plus one, plus one, and has haste. I gave this a Synergy C+. You gave this a D-. minus. So I, I toyed around with this time giving... Because it did seem like there were just a bunch of very aggressively slanted cards like Hammerhand. That I decided to give Synergy grades to that. Like with a nod to, hey, not every red deck wants this. But some aggressive red decks are going to exist. And I, I obviously different format, blah, blah, blah. But like... Cartouche of Zeal from Amonkhet was this, had Cartouche, Trial Synergies, etc. But oftentimes, just this card was really powerful, or really impactful in very low-to-the-ground aggressive decks. And it looks to me like that's going to exist again here. I think those decks are going to exist, but I think they are not going to be the default or the tier one decks. And here's what I want to ask you. Here's my second, let me ask you this. Oh, no. So this goes in an aggressive deck, right? The most aggressive deck to me looks like either red-white or red-blue. I think this is more at home in red-white than it is red-blue, but I just can't imagine having room to fit a card that's not an instant or a sorcery in my red-blue decks. Like the fact that this is, yes, aggressive, but like a thing where you're going to already want a mix of threats and then instants and sorceries, and this not being either of those pieces makes it very hard for me to ever imagine putting this in a blue red deck and maybe i just don't understand aggro but that's my thought process there i don't i mean i i'm no arguments here that this doesn't go in blue red but i think it goes in red white and and more importantly i think red green red green looks like garbage to me i mean so i am not i don't think i'm as good at like putting together a full picture as you are and so because like the fact that you're already sort of having thoughts about like i don't think aggressive decks are going to be tier one like how, how do you know that already I mean, I spent every available second I had today looking at the spoiler, which was about three and a half hours. I'm not doubting that you do know that or that you can see that. I'm asking what like clues did you see that like made you think, huh, I don't think aggressive decks are going to be that good. I mean, I think there's a lot of incidental life gain. I think there's a lot of good control cards and like removal that's effective at combating what the aggressive strategies are going to want to do. And I think the, the best aggro deck looks like blue red spells to me. And I am very excited about blue red spells, but I don't think Hammerhand goes there, which is why I'm not excited about Hammerhand, if that makes sense. And I've seen the red-green Stompy deck, but like red-green's gold uncommons look very weak to me. Now, granted, I wasn't looking at the one through the lens of Enlist, so maybe that gives it a little bit more legs, but I, I just don't think the threats are good enough to compete with the rate of the removal and the rate of cards that are going to do a good job of stabilizing you. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that that could be true. And and if, if that's true, then Hammerhand is absolutely a D-, probably just an F. But I think the tools look like they're there to me in red specifically. And then whatever you end up pairing it with, I guess, as long as it's not blue. But it seems that the scuttle is like blue looks like it's the best color, which was also not what I thought. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to stick with Synergy C plus on Hammerhand. Yeah, I certainly think if there is a stompy beatdown aggressive deck that is not spells based, Hammerhand's going to be a good card in that deck. I agree. Okay. So I think it's more like our gradation differences come from like what we expect to be true about the format, which yeah. right now is like 
whatever podcast fodder. Like we're going to figure yeah, yeah, it out yeah. real quick in the yeah, first two yeah, days. For sure. All right. That takes us on to our next uncommon, which is Balduvian Berserker. It says two in a red for a one, three creature with enlist. And it says whenever this dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. You give us a B minus. I gave us a C. Yeah, I think this, I mean, this mitigates one of the problems I see with enlist is like, oh, well, you're going to like tap your whatever thing to beef up the power of an attacker or of a thing that has two toughness or whatever, and then they just trade off their 2-2. Well, they could, whatever, if they trade off their 3-2 with this, but it's got four power or whatever, you being able to pick off something else for four damage, it's any target. Like, it's not just going face. I don't know. I mean, obviously, then the floor of this is three mana, one three is not good, but then maybe I need to put this under like a synergy B minus. But I, I think if it's doing the thing, it's doing the thing really well. Yeah, except here's my thought about this card. I see all those same things you see, but let me ask you this. Our third a one. Third? I don't stand a chance. <laughs> Do you see this as an aggressive card? Yes. And I would say a three mana thing that has one power itself, like even if you're enlisting other things with it, is not a good aggressive card. And like, yes, maybe you get the thing where you two for one your opponent, but your opponent gets to decide whether or not they block this. So I just think a three mana one power thing is not a good aggressive card okay so we're thinking about it not being an aggressive card not on the fact that hey a three mana one three is a bad blocker right we're just talking about literally on attacks what it does right yeah i just don't think it is a good aggressive card based on the rate even if this was like a three mana three three that had you tap a two power thing to make it unblockable wouldn't that be a good aggressive card but it's not unblockable right but if they do block it then it trades with that thing and then deals three damage to something else it just two for ones them yeah but maybe they're not gonna have two things on the battlefield and then it's only dealing three damage to them i don't know this then don't attack with it and just attack with your two two you're acting like you have to do the thing with this yeah because i don't think this is a relevant card unless you're enlisting something it's a bomb it's a c <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're just going to have to agree to disagree here and we'll see where it lands. All right, moving on to green. We've got one common to talk about here. This is Lanawar Stalker. What's going on there? Okay, this is single green for 1-1. One, one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Lanawar Stalker gets plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. I gave this, again, Synergy C, you gave this a D. So I think I nod, again, towards aggressive strategies. I do like this. I forget what it was called. There was like that single green creature from Eldraine that if at the beginning of combat you controlled another non-human creature... It got plus one, plus one, so it attacked as a 2-2. Two, two. Now, obviously, this doesn't do that itself, but probably can attack as a 2-1 enough of the time, and it's like a junky enough common that you can maybe do a little catch-em-all thing, and that's kind of powerful as well. And then what I do like about this is that because it's in Naya, or it's you know green is one of the Naya colors where Enlist exists, you can, when this becomes not relevant, still be able to go, okay, well, cast a thing pre-combat, this gets beefed up to two power. I'll tap that thing for my enlister. So it can still be relevant in those aggressive decks. Yeah, I like all those things you just said. I, I don't think the aggressive decks, again, look very good to me. But if you're building aggressive decks in like a green-white beatdown deck or a green-red beatdown deck, this is probably going to be a piece in those decks. And I don't think you're going to have to spend a high pick on it necessarily, like you said. But I think it's got a lot of things going for it. I'll, I'll come up a little bit. Okay, yeah, I think this is going to be... My idea about this card is that it's going to be one of those things where you're like, ooh, I hope I can wheel that out of that pack. And then you do, and then your deck feels great. Yeah, I like it. All right, we got a couple domain cards that I did want to talk about. We argued about Territorial Morrow last week. I don't think we need to do that again. That's the five mana star star. Its power and toughness are uh, each equal to twice 
the number of your domain. So if you have all five land types, it's a 10-10, but it doesn't have any abilities past that, right? So just a big dumb thing. Yes, you gave that a B minus and I gave it a C for clunky as all get out. Yeah, it's, it's filler, <laughs> it's a C. Uh, yeah, I think, I think this is one of the non-rare reasons to do the domain thing in my mind. I do still think, whatever, five mana, eight, eight, is a problem. I don't think there's like enough chump fodder floating around that that can be ignored. The thing that I do want to talk about, and I'm curious your thoughts on, is Slimefoot's survey. So it's four and a green for a sorcery with domain. Search your library for up to two land cards that each have a basic land type. So this can find the dual lands. Put them onto the battlefield, tap then shuffle. And then you look at the top X cards of your library where X is your domain. And then you can put one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order. I kept reading this card and I was like, what is this? Like, who is this for? This can't be good, right? <laughs> right five mana for this like rampant growth effect is not good. Though in original Dominaria, we did have that kicker growth from the ashes, which ended up costing five to go find two things. Again, those lands came into play untapped. And you could always fire it off for three mana, etc. But I think this is one of the few ways to like enable domain in a very real way, right? You can, if your deck is built right, like say you've got a base two color deck, but you just got a little bit of the mana base going on. You just go find your two tapped dual lands and then you've just boom, got all five land types. I, I think that's going to be good in domain decks. Maybe. Yeah, I was thinking when I gave us a D that like you just didn't care anymore once you're at five mana. Like if you were a good domain deck, you should already be very close to having domain by the time you have five lands on the battlefield, I think. But with what? What else finds the land types for you? I mean, there's a couple other cards that search up the lands that are cheaper. The green, red, gold on commons, a much better way to do it than this is. And like you're gonna just have an opening hand, ideally with a duel and two basics, and then you've got four. I mean, you're gonna be a three colored deck. I don't know. I see those decks as being pretty aggressively multicolored. I think like heavy base one color and then like a smattering of others is how I was picturing it. But the scenario you're setting up for Slimefoot Survey, I could see as well, like where this is your way to turn on domain. And that makes it make a little more sense to me. I still don't think it's a good card, but I buy what you just said about it. I, so anyway, I like initially written it off. I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is the thing, like digging into the spoiler more. I don't know. I did want to talk about it. I don't know. It could, it could definitely be a D for sure. All right, moving on to gold cards. Our first big difference here, we've got Baird Argivian Recruiter. You give us a C, I gave us a B. This is red, white for a 2-2 at the beginning of your end step. If you control a creature with power greater than its base power, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. Okay, so first of all, can you tell me what that means? A creature with power greater than its base power. Like if it's augmented in any way, like if it has your cartouche of zeal on it. Yeah. Like then it's got power greater than its base power. Or if it has a piece of equipment on it that augments uh -huh. its power in some way. Or just like Griffin Protector, the four mana two, three flyer at common and white. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus and plus one until end of turn. That would work, right? Yes, that would work as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I was grading this and I didn't quite have a good sense of like how many of these effects are there. All I kept thinking about was enlist. And in my mind, basically, whenever you're enlisting, Either it's trading off or you're winning the game because it didn't trade off. And so I was thinking, well, well, if my enlisting didn't trade off, then I'm winning anyway and I don't need the additional 1-1. One, one. But maybe there's just enough good stuff for this. Yeah, I'll, I'll join you up in the B range. I mean, this looks very good to me. And certainly if Hammerhand is good, this is going to be a good card. Except that I don't think that making incidental 1-1s one is what a deck 
that is trying to play Hammerhand is doing. I'm not saying that like like I'll play Hammerhand and I'll play Baird in my red white decks, but I don't think that one makes the other good. If that makes sure, sense. you're right. Yes, that's a fair argument. But I do think Baird is powerful, and I think White has a very strong go wide theme and a very strong caring about tokens theme. And I think anything that poops out tokens, a la Planeswalker esque, is worth looking into. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that like it doesn't have to have done anything; it just has to exist on the battlefield so you know the griffin protector or whatever stuff like that 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 makes sense to me all right next up we've got queen alanol of ruidoc says green white white for a star star and it has the text queen alanol of ruidoc's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control if one or more creature tokens would be created under your control those tokens plus a one one white soldier creature token are created instead yeah i get this a c plus you get this a b and I, again, I, I think I just don't have quite an idea of like the intersection of value and power here, but I could definitely see this getting there. I don't know if this is like a reward or a reason to do the thing. It sounds like you think it's a pretty, pretty strong reason to do green white. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of incidental token stuff going on. And I think also if you want to go ham on it, there's a lot of ways to go ham. And I think this is a reason, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if anytime you're making a token, you make two tokens instead like think about in a white green deck that's got maybe a defender sub theme that's making birds and then every time you get a bird you also get a soldier like you're just flooding the board and then this is a three mana you know four four five five six six this looks very strong to me if you put the synergy together i just don't the the, yeah i I hear you i just saw the the argument of like I don't think every deck gets to do everything, right? Like, I don't think every deck gets to do defenders plus tokens plus this plus like you you can't support all of those things, right? Your defenders deck, like that defenders deck isn't going to get there if you've also got a bunch of things that just make random tokens plus Queen Alanol of Ruidoc. Sure. Okay, so let me sell you on Queen Alanol into Captain's Call, the card I like, the four mana make three one one tokens. Like then all of a sudden you've got this into four one ones as a bare minimum of 5-5, five, five, assuming you didn't play another 2-drop. Like, that's very powerful. That is very powerful. I agree. Yeah. I'm into it. This next one, I am not into. This is Tura Kenarud Sky Knight. Two white, blue, blue for a 3-3 three, three flyer. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token. I gave this a C. You gave this a B-. minus. I'm not in for the 5-mana 3-3 three, three flyer. I agree. That's a bit of a knock against the card. I really love this theme. In blue white. <laughs> so I think my grade is more like wishful than mm. practical. It's probably not a B minus. It's probably more like C plus. You'll do this if you're doing the blue white thing. But I do love this theme. I think it's a really cool twist. Like the instant or sorcery is making one one tokens. And then like the go wide theme once you get the tokens. I love jumping through hoops to do good things. I also wonder if this and Wrath are going to be. That's the other blue white uncommon. We talked about that last week. If those are going to be more like splashed in blue red or if there are, I don't know if there's going to be like those Jeskai spells decks or if there's going to be bleed there, or then there's going to be two flavors. There's like one that's hyper aggro blue red spells. Just get them dead quick with the uncommon we talked about. And then one that's more three color soup with splash in like Tura Kenarud. I don't know. I think the latter. I think what you described where there's a hyper aggro one and there's one where you're a mix of all three. And my my current hot take about the format is it's going to be a Jeskai format, baby. Yeah, I don't. I, the, the, the love for I, I came away from the spoiler being like, man, white's commons look great white commons do look great then i checked the discord and everyone was like wild about blue where i was like i was kind of struggling to find what the third number three blue common was like i'm not happy with what i put so i don't know man i think i missed missed some stuff there 
Ooh, I love blue too. I mean, I like white. I like blue. I think red is very top end heavy and then falls off a little bit. All right, let's talk about a few colorless cards here. You you like uh, equipment now? I, I love this equipment. Happen? What can I say? Vanquisher's Axe is our first disagreement here. One mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and has an equip cost of two. I gave this a D minus. You gave this a C minus. This is not a C minus. It's like a D maybe. I don't know. I, I like it in theory, but it's probably not a good card. You know you're never putting this in a deck in the entire life of the format, right? I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good. Next up is Heroes Heirloom, which is going to be the same conversation, but this is a better card. This is two mana for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus one as long as equipped creature is legendary, which there are a lot of. It has trample and haste and it has an equip cost of two, as well as we haven't talked about this yet, but there's a slot in every pack that's dedicated to a legendary creature. So that was the same in original Dominaria, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so I said D plus, you said C plus. Would you like to join me in the muck? Probably more like a C, C minus. Uh, I do want to talk about this one. Salvaged Mana Worker. Two mana for a 1-3 at common, and you can pay one to add one mana of any color, activate only once each turn. So this filters your mana for one color, but only once each turn. I gave this a D, you gave it a C plus. I love this little guy. I wish I wish it had Defender, but it would be too busted if it had Defender. I just think there are not a lot of great two drops in the format. And you had asked me one of the things that I had, you know, why I was saying I don't think aggro is going to be good. I look at the two drops and I see a lot of two drops that aren't good aggressive cards. And I think this is a card that you're going to be very happy with in decks that are splashing in the two drop slot because it's just like a fine body. Like it's going to block some things that aren't great attackers maybe and it's going to fix your mana and it's it's not like those lands that are filter lands. This is just like giving you any color of mana. It's prophetic prism if prophetic prism drew you a 1-3. Yes. I think that's a card you're going to be interested in the format. There's a lot of sweet cards to splash. I'm holding on to my thoughts that like if you want to fix mana, then you're probably more interested in domain. But maybe there's like... Maybe there, I mean, maybe this format just is super deep and there's like mana fixing that cares about domain and that's one category. And then there's equal an equal category where it's mana fixing just because there's a lot of powerful things to splash. Right. There's just a lot of great cards with kicker of a single color. Right, I think there are going right. to be a lot of decks that just want to splash that aren't dedicated domain decks. And I think those decks are going to be interested in this card. Where it's like you just have a bunch of cards that have kicker and like you're happy to cast them without the kicker cost. But wouldn't it be great if sometimes you could kick them, but you don't want to put in like lands for them. Yeah, right. And I think you're going to need twos. And I think there's not a lot of great twos. And maybe this isn't a C plus. Maybe it's just a C, but I do like the card. But it might be it might be that the first copy is like, I mean, it's not going to be like stonework pack beast levels of <laughs> Busto like in Zendikar Rising, but it might also have just a, a fact of like, hey, this is colorless. And so like the first copy is like good for hashtag delay of the decision or you just know you want to pick up a copy of it in a lot of decks. I could see that. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it. For our grade differences, I'm going to go, uh, I, I need to pull a Rocky and say, cut me Mick um, after getting trounced by Ben there. But uh, let's move on to grading our top three commons. So let's move on to ranking our top three commons and top two uncommons in each color. What do you got going on in white? Well, before we get into any of these, we need to say there are some takes in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some scalding hot takes. Make sure you have like a cup of ice water nearby <laughs> or maybe just a bucket of ice straight up because um, you're going to need to you're going to need to douse yourself a little bit here for uh, for some takes that we've got. All right. So we're going to get into these top commons and we got some feedback that it was a little confusing bouncing back and forth, which I think both of us agreed with. So I'm going to read down my white commons and then Ethan's going to read down his and then we will discuss if there are things to discuss. 
So in white, my number one common is Citizen's Arrest. This is one white white for the enchantment. When ETBs exile target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls until Citizen's Arrest leaves the battlefield. Number two, Argivian Cavalier. Two and a white for a 2-2 within list. When it ETBs, you make a 1-1 white soldier creature token. I think that is just everything you're going to want to do in white as far as like multiple bodies. You get the token. It's got the enlist stuff going on. Really high hopes for our Gavian Cavalier. And then number three, I made room for Captain's Call. It's three and a white for a sorcery. Make three 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens. And then I gave an honorable mention, which is kind of cheating, to take up the shield, one and a white instant, put a plus and plus one counter on target creature. It gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. I think it is likely that take up the shield is better than Captain's Call, potentially, but I want to start out loving Captain's Call. My top three white commons are, I have Citizen's Arrest as well in the number one slot, that's the removal spell, and then I diverted. I went for the the classic filler, Mesa Cavalier, two and a white for the 2-1 flyer, <laughs> when it ETBs you gain two life, and then I put Griffin Protector in the number three slot, that's three and a white for a 2-3 flyer, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Griffin Protector gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Yeah. Griffin Protector looks great also. I was trying to get that in there and I just couldn't find room for it, but I love that card. Yeah, I was looking at white and I had like, I mean, I had Citizen's Arrest as a B minus and then I had like five C pluses and I was like, I don't know what to choose. <laughs> like, so I like yours as well um, and I don't feel super precious about mine. All right, that takes us on to the white uncommons. In the number one slot, I've got Phyrexian Missionary, one and a white for a 2-3 with kicker, one and a black. It's got lifelink, and when it ETBs, if it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So just like premium card, two mana, two, three lifelink, great. Playing that in every white deck, and then assuming you can kick this, it is uber powerful. Absolutely. In the number two slot, I've got Knight of Dawn's Light. This is one and a white for a 2-2 with first strike. If you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead. And it's got one and a white pump plus one plus one until EOT. Yeah, I actually have the exact same two in the exact same order. Boom. Moving on to blue. My number one common is Essence Scatter. One and a blue for an instant counter target creature spell. I wanted to put this next one in my number one slot, but I couldn't pull the trigger. This is Pixie Illusionist as my number two common. Single blue for a 1-1 flyer. You can tap it to have target land you control become the basic land type of your choice until end of turn. And it's got kicker for three and a green. And if it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. Really versatile, a lot of stuff going on with that card and some uh, some throwbacks to original uh, invasion block as well. And then on my number three slot, I'm not happy with this. I, I should put something else in here, but I did put <laughs> the mashup of uh, Windrake and Talarian Scholar of Soaring Drake, two and a blue for the two, three flyer. Yeah, that card's just a super fine magic card, but I think the fact that it doesn't do anything special makes it hard for it to be a top blue common. I agree. I agree. I just couldn't like, I was like, well, Soaring Drake sort of like belong, will go everywhere. And every other card I kept being like, this is really like a blue red card or really like a blue black card. And so, but maybe that's not how I should be thinking about top commons. All right. Blue commons. Is your seatbelt on, Ethan? I, I Let me get some water here so I can be ready for these scalding takes. Number one, I've got timely interference. Blue for an instant with kicker one and a red. Target creature gets minus one minus zero until end of turn. If the spell was kicked, that creature blocks this turn if able. Draw a card. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I thought I was ready, but I'm not ready. I think this it's not that hot of a take. This is a very good card, right? Can we at least agree on that? I, I don't. I don't know what your adjectives mean anymore. You say <laughs> you say great when it's a D. You say filler when it's a C. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Okay. I, I think lots of blue decks are going to want lots of copies of Timely Interference, and that's why I've got it as my number one blue common. I'm also very excited about the blue-red deck, especially the hyper-aggressive version of it, but I think this is just going to be 
playable everywhere in blue decks and do a lot of things. One mana to potentially two for one your opponent is high upside when you're already interested in a one mana cantrip in the color. I think that this is going to be very good in blue red and I don't think a lot of other blue decks are interested in it. That's my feeling. Okay. Next up in the number two slot, I've got Talarian Geyser, two in a blue for a sorcery with kicker white. Return target creature to its owner's hand, draw a card. If the spell was kicked, you gain three life. Similarly, I just think like these blue spells that cantrip are primo, and the fact that you can pay four mana to gain three life while setting your opponent back is everything like a blue you know, derpy, like those three color Jeskai decks you were talking about, like are going to love Talarian Geyser. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I'm worried about with Bounce is the prevalence of Kicker. I was thinking about that. We didn't talk about it yet, but that the fact that like, are you going to feel a little awkward? Like, let's say your opponent just dropped their whatever, their two mana creature as it was. You're not going to want to bounce that then and then give them the opportunity to then kick it later, right? You're not going to feel great about it, but if you've got a geyser, you've got a geyser. I mean, if you've got to use your mana, you use your mana, right? Right. Well, I'm what I'm saying is, you know, you could not have a geyser by not putting it in your deck. That's what I'm wondering if, right, right, if there's right. a world where that might exist. I hear you. I just am really excited about the blue spells that can't trip. And then in the number three slot, I've got Essence Scatter as well. But I want to talk to you about the Pixie, the Pixie Illusionist, because yeah. you see something in that card that I don't see. And I want you to talk to me because when I and I think you're probably right, because this is a very Ethan Sachs card. (laughs) It just is. But like when I look at that, I'm not excited about anything that card does. Like I'm not excited about the blue one one like to maybe chip in damage early. I'm not excited about using a card to switch the type of my lands. Like if I were doing that, I'd rather have the one three artifact that filters mana through it. And then I'm also not excited about paying five mana for a three three flyer. Right. So not you're right that none of those things individually are good. But the fact that all of those things exist in one card, like you can certainly say like, well, I'd rather have this for the fixing. Or I'd rather have this as my five mana player. I'd rather have this as my one mana player, whatever. But the fact you get all three of those things in one rectangle of magic card <laughs> is, I think, quite good. Right. And and of what I hadn't even thought about before, because one of the problems with a one mana, one, one flyer is not when it's in your opening hand. That's fine. Right. That's going to get in for a good bit of damage. The problem is when you top deck it. Well, this solves that problem and you can even like play a handful of them in non-green decks because like the first one helps you kick the next few that you cast right when you want to have them be three three flyers and it's not that a five mana three three flyer is like bad like it's filler but i think the fact that you get all three of those things for one card is really good plus the plus the addition of just like you get to splash like this enables you to splash eh, i think this is good it turns on domain increases your domain as well yeah i see all that stuff all right i, I should probably be higher on it than i am yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think that that card excites me a lot. All right. Moving on to blue uncommons. In the number one slot, I've got our house from last week, Frostfist Strider. It's three blue blue for a four four with ward two when ETBs tap target creature and put a stun counter on it. And the number two slot, I've got Battlewing Mystic as a nod to this blue red deck. One in a blue for a two one with flying when it ETBs, if it was kicked for a red mana, discard your hand, draw two cards. Yeah, I like that card. It didn't make my top two. I am surprised to see Rona's Vortex not on your list. This is blue for an instant. Uh, return target creature or planeswalker you don't control to its owner's hand, and it has kicker for two and a black. If it was kicked, you put that permanent on the bottom of its owner's library instead. That's my number one blue uncommon, and my number two is Frostfist Strider as well. Yeah, there's a lot of goods to go around. I 
didn't put Rona's Vortex in because I wasn't excited about just the blue half. Like, whereas Battlewing Mystic, I'm fine to play a one and a blue two one flyer, I think, in these aggro beatdown decks. I am less jazzed about blue unsummon. But I, I agree, like, the ceiling on the, the two black card is much better. What do you got going on with Black's Commons? All right, the number one slot, I've got Extinguish the Light, two black black instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker. If its mana value is three or less, you gain three life. Primo removal spell. It's going to be very close to see which ends up being better with number two Phyrexian Rager, two and a black for a two-two. And when ETBs, you draw a card and lose a life. And then in the number three slot, a card I am very excited about, we've got Gibbering Barricade. This is two and a black for a two four with Defender Nightmare Wall. And it has the ability two and a black, sack of creature. And it has the ability two and a black, sacrifice a creature. You gain one life and draw a card. I think this is going to be a house in the Defender decks. And I think it's also just going to be a very good card in the black white sack decks. There's some black red sack stuff going on. It's got some bushmeat poacher esque vibes. A little more expensive to activate, which is certainly a drawback. But I think this is going to be a good card. Yeah, I think so, too. I thought I was uh, giving you a hot take here when I put that as my number three in my list, but uh, I'm happy to see it in yours. And we have the same three. I just swapped Phyrexian Rager and Extinguish the Light. So I have the Cantripping Creature one, the Removal Spell two, and the Sacrificing Wall three. All right, moving on to Black Uncommons. I've got Cult Conscript in my top slot. That's black for a 2-1 at ETB's tapped. And it's got the ability one and a black return cult conscript from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only if a non-skeleton creature died under your control this turn, which is it is a skeleton itself. So it won't see itself go to the graveyard or it will, but you can't activate the ability rather. <laughs> and then in the number two slot, I've got Knight of Dust Shadow. That's one and a black for a two two with menace. Your opponents can't gain life and it's got the activated ability one and a black. Give it plus one plus one until end of turn. Yeah, I have Knight of Dusk's Shadow in my number two slot as well. In my number one, I have Balduvian Atrocities. It's two and a black for a two three with menace. Has kicker cost of red. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Sack it at the beginning of the next end step. Just, I want to return all the Phyrexian Ragers. Yeah, that is going to be very good. I agree. I just liked Cult Conscript as a very cheap piece in that sacrifice deck also. I agree. All right, Red Commons. Number one slot, I've got Lightning Strike, one in a red, instant, deal three damage to any target. In the number two slot, I've got Gitu Amplifier. This is one in a red for a one-two human wizard with kicker two in a blue. When this ETBs, if it was kicked, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. And it's got the ability whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, this gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn. This is great on turn two and great on turn five. In the number three slot, I've got Flowstone Kavu. Red falls off pretty hard, I think, after those top two for me. But I've got Flowstone Kavu, two and a red, two, three menace. And it's got red activated ability. Give it plus one, minus one until end of turn. Yeah, I have Lightning Strike number one. I have Yavamaya Steel Crusher in the number two. Probably a nod to I'm much more excited about the enlist decks than you are. Uh, this is one and a red for a two, two with enlist. And you can pay one to sack it to destroy target artifact. Not very relevant there. And I also have Flowstone Kabu in the number three slot. Any thought to the the four drop that was the three four trample within list? Eh, it's four mana. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I don't think it's bad. I just don't think I want to load up on that card. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to the uncommons in red. Uh, number one, I've got Herloon Battle Him, two in a red for an instant, deal four damage, target creature or planeswalker, and it has a kicker cost of white. If it was kicked, you gain four life. And the number two slot, a card I'm very excited about, Sprouting Goblin, one in a red for a 2-2 two, two with kicker green. 
When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, search your library for a land card with a basic land type. So yes, it can grab those duels. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And you can pay red, tap, sack a land to draw a card. In my number one slot, I've also got Herloon Battle Hymn. In my number two slot, I've got Electrostatic Infantry. This is one in a red for a one-two with Trample. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Electrostatic Infantry. Do you remember when we wished that Spellgorger Weird cost two mana? Yeah. Now it does, and it's got Trample, baby. Yeah, that card looks great. Yeah, ben, and I, I hope I hope this blue-red deck is good for you. Otherwise, you are going to have to warp a lot of your grades. <laughs> I mean, I am very confident that it's going to be very good. Uh, and then I gave an honorable mention to Sprouting Goblin. Red has some incredible uncommons. Moving on to green, my number one common is Vine Shaper Prodigy. One a green for a 2-2 with Kicker, one and a blue. When ETBs, if it was kicked, you look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand and the rest on the bottom in any order. Number two, I have Bite Down. One on a green for an instant target creature you control. Deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Nice to see that planeswalker text there for some some cube action. And then in the number three slot, I had trouble figuring out an, a third green common, which is really <laughs> doesn't really bode well for green. Uh, I put Elf Worm as a four on a green for a five four with vigilance and trample. That card's on my watch list as maybe sneaky, very good. I mean, it's it's large and in charge, but it's, it's large also five vigilance is also like pretty big game. Yeah, for sure. All right. Green commons for me. Number one, also vine shaper prodigy. And my number two, I've got floriferous vine wall. That's the one on a green O2 with defender that when it ETBs, you look at the top six and put a land from among those cards into your hand. And O2 that draws you a card, even if it's a land that has defender is going to be good. I'm really excited about Fuller Vine Wall. And then in number three slot, we said if this was in green top commons, green was going to be a bit of a yikes. But I've got Magnagoth Sentry, three and a green for a four, four with reach. That card is huge. Yeah, it's big. It could be better than the Elfheim Worm for sure. Surprised that you don't have Bite Down in there. I hate that type of effect. I don't know. It's probably a top green common. I'm just being prejudiced against that effect. Uh, in our green uncommons, I have number one, Mossbeard Ancient, the huge seven mana, seven, seven with Trample and when ETBs. You gain five life. And then in the number two slot, I have tear asunder one on a green for an instant exile target artifact or enchantment. But if you pay the kicker cost of one on a black when you cast it, you can exile target non land permanent instead. Those are my number one and my number two as well. Whew. All right. We're creeping up on the two hour mark here, Ben. So I won't keep you much longer. But any final parting thoughts before uh, before we look towards the early access event next week and then the set going live on September 1st? This format looks incredible i hope it lives up to my expectations or gets close to them because if it does i am going to be in love with dominaria united it looks like there's something for everyone like it doesn't look like they're like i don't know i mean knock on wood but it doesn't look like there's some stupid busto overpowered common that like everybody's gonna snap up like you know the most egregious close to most egregious is like fire x rager and vine shaper prodigy and i don't think either of those are anywhere close to like you know hippogriff levels or uh or what's it called inspiring overseer and it just seems like there's build arounds there's two color there's five color i'm i i think there's i think there's good aggro looking decks at least um that remains to be seen but uh yeah, looks like looks like this is going to be a nice little playground for us for the next few months. Yeah, I'm very excited. All right, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro to read all of those limited articles we're going to be dumping out there in the next few weeks, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you over there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr metronome mr 
Sisters spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. It's gibbering. It's not gibbering? It's not gibbering. Oh, I've always said that word wrong <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> I guess I don't say it out loud a lot, but every time I've read that word, I have said gibbering in my head. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know if you care if you want to go back. No, I, I'll fix it. Okay. And then like, we can have a hilarious outtake. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs>